0: Welcome to the Cohort Sisters podcast, where we bring to life the stories, struggles, and successes of Black women navigating doctoral degree programs and their lives beyond the degree. I'm your host and the founder of Cohort Sisters, Dr. Ijama Kola. Cohort Sistas is an online global network empowering Black women pursuing doctoral degrees by providing resources, mentorship, and community. For more information, please visit our website at CohortSistas.com.
1: Welcome
2: back to the Cohort Sisters podcast. My name is Sarah Marie McGovern, and I'm the assistant podcast producer for the show. I'm taking over for a Gemma while she's on maternity leave, So everyone, give her a big shout out on our Instagram and congratulate her on her new bundle of joy. Now, in this episode, we've combined all the advice we've asked past guests from episodes 202 to 219 for prospective and current Black women and non-binary doctoral students. From staying organized and developing a support system to prioritizing self-care and finding mentors our guests shared invaluable insights and experiences that will help listeners navigate their doctoral journeys. Now, let's get into our first few pieces of advice from Dr. Fry, Dr. Johnson, and Dr. Ann
3: You cannot allow younger PhD students to make you feel less Mm than. It is so easy to be like, man, I'm 40 starting my PhD, should I do it? my boss is 32 with a PhD, the students are 33 with in, in my cohort. Should I really do it? Like you're going to feel old. And here's the thing, baby, you could be 44 with a PhD or without it, but you're still going to be 44. <laughs> so what you gonna like, right. are you going to do? Like, are you going to be the 44 year old being like, man, I should have got my PhD. Now I'm going to be a, do dude at 50. Or are you going to say, look, I'm going to do it regardless? Because one thing I felt was like, man, I got cohort member who is 26 doing her PhD. And I was feeling like, is, am, is this right for me? And I did not really own how great the experiences I had helped me be a better student. Those 15 years of working, my two masters helped me be a, I did my PhD in three years. It helped me be able to like have focus on what my topic was, how I was going to attack it. Because I think many times is that people get to, through their classes, and I don't know if you saw this, but people would be like, I don't know what I'm going to do my my dissertation on. I'm like, baby, how are you here (laughs) and you have no clue what you're doing your dissertation on? How, Sway? Like, how did you come into this program and you have no clue? I don't Mm -hmm. understand that. And so for (laughs) me, that experience allowed me to be like, this is what I'm doing. I am good to go. So I think that that's a big thing is that like your experience coming back is going to help you so much more than the person who has no work experience. Like it's going to help you. And so just own that and know it. And so you're going to be looked at as the old head that they're going to come and ask you questions about. And that's a great thing.
4: I would say that the term imposter syndrome is one that I hear pretty regularly. You're no imposter. (laughs) If you are here, it's because you're supposed to be here and that's it. Point blank, plain and simple. Now, it helps to have a community of like minded people because, right, for example, all of you out there, if you had somebody like me on your team, we wouldn't go through this because I'd let you know <laughs> from the beginning that, uh, right, if you're struggling, all of this is part of the process. Everybody says, trust the process. And I roll, oh boy, the process, <laughs> but, right? It is the process. And no one is, there is no skipping steps. Unfortunately, <laughs> there is no magic solution at the time in which you're most frustrated, most stressed out. It might just be your body and your mind telling you, step away. That to me is key. Take a breather because there's no point in trying to push through brick. Well, I haven't successfully been able to do it yet. But if someone has, let me know. <laughs> but <laughs> just step away. Breathe, really get an assessment because that that whole what's your why? That's an important time to really revisit that why. My why has always been my my family's legacy. The fact that again, my my grandparents came here for, so that we all could have a better life. and that why so surpasses any immediate or right now frustration I'm dealing with. Is life better if you weren't here? Can you imagine what you'd be doing otherwise? And is it better than what you're experiencing now? And probably, you know, the million times I did that in my own doctoral program. Could I leave and feel good about knowing that I quit, that I took this on and couldn't, quote unquote, finish? I couldn't. And so by revisiting one's why in those moments is key and reach out. Don't ever experience anything like this alone. You have uh, you have so many people who have been here who are navigating this same journey. Don't do it alone.
5: I would say that definitely think about it. <laughs> don't just jump into it like I did. Like, I don't regret my journey at all. Like, I'm really thankful that I did a PhD because it's opened a lot of doors, you know, mm-hmm. but... A PhD isn't for everyone. And that's okay. Like you don't have to do a PhD. And especially if you know, you have a future, you already kind of know what you want to do. And it doesn't really require you doing a PhD. Why put yourself through that stress for no reason. So I would (laughs) say really, (laughs) really think about it, talk to people that are in the field that you want to go into, get their take on it, their experience. I mean, if you do decide to go into a PhD, Have someone there that has already been through it because it will make your journey so much easier. Like it would really lessen the stress of everything, you know? So when I say find someone, I'm talking about a mentor, right? So definitely having a mentor in the field is very helpful and they don't have to be in the specific field that you're in. So like, for example, my field is chemistry, carbohydrate, medicinal, right? But if I find someone that is doing a PhD in biology, it's close enough and they would have similar experiences. And so I would definitely say that before you start a PhD, find a mentor that could help you with your journey. And also really think about it. (laughs) If you want to embark on this five year journey, because it's definitely a commitment. And it's tasking on every single level. It's mentally tasking, it's physically tasking, it's socially tasking. So yeah, so like I said, I would really take it into consideration and also find a mentor and build a community as well. Community is also very helpful.
2: Knowing your place in your program and handling imposter syndrome are great pieces of advice from our first three episodes. These next pieces of advice from Dr. Kendall Brooks, Dr. Dada, and Dr. Nepper. Give insight into expanding on their degrees, asking the right questions, and creating your
6: community. Make sure that you understand that what your degree is not the end of it all. My degree is in health psychology, basically the psychology of public health, and I don't do anything with that anymore. You don't have to stay in that track if you don't want to, because sometimes there might be pieces that you've learned from your degree or from a class that you took that you can go and take someplace else. And that's what I do. I take the mindset of working with communities in public health into this field of more educational based research, which I think gives me a little bit of a different theoretical basis to move through. And I think it gives a change from like some of the traditional mindsets that I of people that I work with. So I think that that's it. You don't have to stay in whatever it is. And also a good dissertation is a done dissertation. I feel like that's the one thing you should always say because I look <laughs> at it now and I'm like, I don't know how they passed this, but hey, they
7: did.
8: <laughs> and that's what matters, that it's yes. done.
7: I, would, I like this saying, I don't remember where I heard this phrase that everything is figureoutable. So you are enough and you can figure out whatever it is you need to figure out to get to where you need to get to. Be open to asking questions. There are no stupid questions, really. Don't think about whether or not you sound foolish when you're asking questions because it's the only way to learn. So be open to to asking questions, seek mentoring. Cohort Sisters is, is an exciting and awesome initiative where you can join and find peer mentors and also mentors who are more senior in their in their journey. And with regard to exploring global options, same thing. I don't know that I would say anything different than that. If you find someone on another continent where you want to work in or live in, reach out to them and see. Sometimes they may not respond immediately or on the first try, but be persistent. And if they don't respond, move on to somebody else.
9: I think my piece of advice there would be find yourself a good community of people. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, try to find yourself a good community of people to be in because nothing that I've done, I could have done alone. Absolutely not. Like I said, grad school was probably only possible because of some of the amazing people that were my peers at that time that you know, we helped each other to get through those times we and that help a lot of times is just having someone to complain to, right? <laughs> like And someone who understands like, like yes, I, I understand how terrible it is that that mm-hmm. thing that you just were working on for two weeks completely failed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have a meeting with your boss tomorrow, and they're going to yell at you because you don't have anything to show them and, you know, whatever it is, like, having someone to share it with Mm-hmm. It just helps more than you could even believe if you don't have that. And I know that's really hard for some people to find. And so I would say, like, if you can't find it where you are, maybe try to find it like online or something. Like, I don't have a lot of great advice for like how to actually find that community, but I can say that. You know, putting the effort into like finding and or creating that community because mm-hmm. like a lot of times there are other people who want that community as well. Mm-hmm. they just don't know where to find it. they don't mm-hmm. know how to start building it. and right. so, like, okay, I guess I'll make it two big pieces of advice <laughs> if I can do that. One is find a community, and the other one is just do stuff like mm-hmm. if it's a lot of work, I guess maybe you don't, but If it's just a workshop or a seminar or an online class or something, if it's pretty low effort, just get in there, get your feet wet, see what happens because sometimes it's really cool.
2: In episodes 208, 209, and 210, we are enlightened by how important community is during our programs and prioritizing your mental health.
10: Establish a community because... By yourself, you're strong, you're capable, but you are weaker if you're by yourself. So establish a community inside the university, inside your area, especially with other Black women. This idea of having your quilombo is exactly having your community, the community that you can confide with uh, your problems and that can help you. I'm so grateful for the people that I found in my path that helped me to be here and helped me through my process. And even if you don't have a supportive mentor, find this support in other students, other professors, somewhere inside your your academic world. Build this community, do networking, also be smart because you're going to need people in the future. So people is the key. You need to build a community and networking to think of your future.
11: What I want to say is your mental health is more important than the degree. I know it. I get what y'all are saying. I get it. I know they feel intertwined, but I do really want to underscore that when you are in these systems that are breaking you, that are harming you, that will not do right by you, that it is still important, okay, necessary to prioritize your mental health, to be able to possibly steer you differently. Differently doesn't mean no degree, but differently means maybe how you access this degree. Differently means do I need to take a break? Differently, specifically for clientele that I've worked with over the years, means understand that topic is really important, but if it is re-traumatizing you, we got to look at doing a different dissertation topic. We got to look at changing your thesis up. I know you want to talk about traumatized black boys and doing this, but you mental if you can't hold this, then you don't have to do it. I really want, and I get it. I get why you're doing it because we don't want white people doing it because they don't do it well. So, right. But that is the vicious cycle that we're in. But to really find spaces in which you can talk about that, because when we are constantly in the weeds of this with our research, it can really, really affect your mental health. And it can really it can really take you down. So I understand the race to the degree. I understand the importance of it. But I really want you to think about when I get this degree, who am I going to be? And I oftentimes see that black women make it to the degree and they're no longer whole. We have been harmed along the way. So like really thinking about. How can I be whole when I get there? And if I'm not going to be whole, I got to figure something else out because we are battered and bruised and we are doctors, but we're unwell. So I really want to underscore thinking about your mental health all along the way and using that as a tool when you are deciding your topics and your theses and your themes and your committees and all that kind of stuff. You have to consider your mental health because they're not, they are not considering it.
12: Do your homework on the programs. That you're interested in applying to, I don't know why or who told me to do this, but I emailed graduate students at the end of their program. Like no one told me to do this, but I just did this and asked them what their experience had been like. And there was one program that I will not name that I did not apply to. Because one of the graduate students who responded, you know, said that the person who advised her who I was thinking about had been really like condescending towards her. And this was like a program that was like, you know, definitely in the top three that I was considering at the time. I mean, I don't know if you want to like not apply because of feedback you get, but her experience was so negative that I just felt like, I don't know that I want this, Right. And grad students in particular are helpful because, I don't know, faculty, when they get emails, it's it's overwhelming. They might be turned off by that. I mean, some people you can reach out to, but definitely reach out to graduate students because they have the perspective, especially when they're leaving. They're not as invested in trying to <laughs> paint a gloss, you know a rosy picture. Yeah. Like, we want you to come. They're like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm leaving, so I'm going to tell you the real tea. Um, <laughs> Definitely be involved in research because that's going to help your application more than anything else. If you are a sophomore in college and you're thinking about research, be involved in research. Apply to summer research programs. If you can collaborate with a faculty member and publish a paper, do that. I never published papers, but I feel like nowadays people are like doing a lot more than I did, which is like <laughs> almost two decades ago. So do as much to demonstrate that you are committed to a life of the minds, right, involved, being involved in research so that you can, you know, get into a fully funded program. And I emphasize that to any prospective students, you should not be paying to get a Ph.D. <laughs> a masters is one thing, but if you're getting a Ph.D., you should not be paying out of pocket.
2: Next up, we have Dr. Bardiun Marquis, Dr. Barton and Dr. Ali who dig into the power of yes, understanding that it's your journey to own and how to manage your time.
13: The one piece of advice I always have is really kind of like dig into the power of yes, because you don't know what doors that can open. And you know, for me, I was presented with the opportunity to work in a brand new lab and I was just like, let's just do it and see what happens. (laughs) Because even if you don't have like the best experience, I think that still is always an opportunity for learning, right? And generally speaking, while sometimes having bad experiences, you can feel like the world is over. Usually it's not. Usually there's time to like regroup and move on. But I think always just I had a lot of really interesting and unique opportunities in graduate school and I think I just always took advantage of every single one. I was able to do fellowships in local government. I was able to kind of get an understanding of what like science policy looks like. I was able to do like writing, you know, about science for non-science audiences. And while sometimes this would bring a little bit of like tension with my work in the lab, I think they were still just such amazing opportunities to have and say yes to. So I definitely would give that advice to people. And that's usually a piece of advice I give. It's like, you know, don't be afraid to say yes. Just see where something takes you.
14: I think the biggest thing is the PhD can actually be amazing, positive, fun, dare I say, parts of it, experience. And I think remembering that it's your journey and that you can do this space of learning and moving through research and writing in a way that actually feels good to you. So I think it takes making sure the institution is a good fit, finding those spaces of mentorship and advising that will support that. I think another part is A lot of spaces talk about like mentoring and sponsorship. Mentoring is cool, but who's going to advocate for that grant for you? Who's going to give you their plus one to this conference? Like, so thinking of spaces of not just mentorship, but sponsorship as well. But remembering that four plus years is a long time to dedicate your life to. So do it in the way that makes sense for you. And I think the reward is finding multiple opportunities. If you are that deep in your research and your perspective, they can't take away what's meant for you. So if you're doing it that truthfully and authentically, everything's going to come into play is how it's supposed to.
8: Yes, I would say, I mean, it's a very academic society answer, but learn how to manage your time. I feel that my graduate experience was made better and less stressful because I knew how to manage my time and I knew what things to prioritize. I wasn't treating everything with the same level of importance and like impact. I was like, no, this thing is important. So I'm going to spend my time on this. This thing isn't as important. I'm not really going to worry about it. I'm going to have to do this thing over here because that's not going to lead me to graduating. Right. So just not getting stressed out about the things that don't matter. And that is a skill to figure out how to prioritize. And it starts with managing your time well and managing your time. Well starts with setting actual goals for yourself. I know so many people kind of go through grad school, just like letting grad school happen to them. It's like your experience is your degree, take charge of it, make it what you want it to be. And, Remember why you're doing it. And that was a lot of pieces of advice in one, but it all boils down to time management for me. In episodes 214,
2: 215, and 216, we touch on walking your own path when you're in academia, not quitting your journey, and working on your connections.
15: Think about the scholar you want to become and not determine that you have to do what the other folks are doing. There's an unfortunate amount of misery in the academy. And I do think that part of that misery is about the kinds of, you know, there's ways in which sometimes like I left law school to get away from certain kinds of things, but I'm like, I'm right back in a certain (laughs) kind of corporate rat race. And it shows up in these kind of funky ways. And sometimes that's just about if I didn't get the grant, if I didn't get the fellowship, if I didn't publish in this place. If my piece got rejected from that thing, if I'm not blowing up all over the Twitter, if I'm, you know, like all of these things that we can use to judge ourselves. And I think that shows up in some nasty, nasty ways Mm -hmm. in the academy. Sometimes it's what we do to ourselves. Sometimes it's the way we relate and respond and engage with other people. And sometimes. What's really terrible is it shows up in the ways in which we engage or don't engage with our students Mm. who should be absolutely essential and important to what we do. Like, if you don't want to deal with students, you shouldn't be in this work. Like, you know, we all need time away to do our thing. But like the teaching part of it is really important, even though there's not enough focus on the teaching part of it. Like the number of emails that I have right now that I'm going to have to get to when I get off of here of like Black women students who I have who are like, look, will you talk to me, (laughs) right? Like that part of it is so important. And so I, I say all that to say, thinking about who is the scholar you wanna be, not the scholar who you think you have to be in order to achieve a certain level of, whatever. Everybody is not supposed to be the star scholar. Everybody is not supposed to be the public, you know, scholar or whatever. Those things are fine for the people who have the skill set to do those things. But what is your skill set allowed you to do in this space and in this world? That's a really hard thing, I think, to figure out. And I'm still in the process of figuring that out too. But I have found so much more joy in this work when I have kind And so this is like a church thing. This is like I grew up in the church and this thing is something and I've got all kinds of feels about organized religion at this point in my life. But one thing I will say that I continue to hold fast to is that the way we used to say it in church is what God has for you is for you. And whether you believe in God or do God or any of that kind of stuff, to understand that what is yours is yours. What is for you is for you. And that you bring something to this work that is for you to bring. And if it doesn't look like what ex scholar is doing, that's okay because there's a space for you in this work. And I think the sooner you can start to understand and grapple with that, the more sort of joy. And I think there absolutely can be joy in this work and there should be joy in this work. And you can find it, but you've got to let a lot of that kind of stuff go and
16: get out of your way. Every time I get asked this question, I I think I change my advice because I I grow a little bit more Mm -hmm. within myself. Yeah. So initially, like off rip, I would say don't quit, right? Like off rip. And Nipsey Hussle was one of the greatest influential rappers to me. And so, you know, his whole message about the marathon and not quitting and, just any distinguishing quality that you're going to have between you and the next person is that you don't quit, right? Like mm-hmm. that would be my initial response because I live by that through and through, right? But in reality, I think now I've more so switched over to battling imposter syndrome and and truly believing that you are in the position that you're in because you're supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. You may not see it right now, but you are supposed to be exactly where you are in this exact moment and it won't be till you look back 2 years from now and be like wow if i didn't do that if i didn't stick with that i wouldn't be where i am now and that goes back to even me deciding between staying another year to get a championship and getting into research right that moment is what has made dr fraser and that moment occurred what is it 2023 now that moment occurred 10 years ago yeah 9 or 10 So, you know, my advice to anyone is just really believe that you belong in the space that you are right now, even if it's difficult.
5: Again, work on your connections. It's not always what you know, but who you know. So if you create these meaningful connections with people, just informally like, hey, how are you? Like, I see we in the DMs. I see we... Relate on this. I would love to go out for like tea sometime. Now when you're, I'm in my 30s. So that's something that I would use. But in your 20s, it could be something different, you know, that relates to a 20 year old. But make those connections because that's where it all happens from.
13: That's how this happened. I slid in your DMs. So I was like, hey, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love what you're doing. This seems cool. Can you get on the podcast? And also I love the caveat about Wanting tea in your 30s. I resonate with that so hard. That's me. I'm like, you want to go for coffee, tea? I know when you're younger, that's that's not. But yeah. like something. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the last pieces of advice are where we wrap up this episode with putting your truth on the pages and trying to stay present in the moment.
1: If there are prospective students, reach out not only to staff, but maybe current PhD students to ask you know, what the experiences are like and to talk you through the process so that you have any questions that can help you kind of think about it in a way that is useful to you. And over the years, I've had many people kind of reaching out and I've always been super available because I know the struggle of not any, having anyone to in circles to ask those questions to. So don't be afraid to reach out and ask the questions. If not the staff, there's certainly current PhD students. And if you're already in the in the program and you're trying to get through, I would say try to prioritize your well-being and your mental health as much as you can. And what that meant for me was saying no to a lot of things that I didn't have the capacity for, having a support network inside the university but also outside of the university and the one that outside kind of academia may be even more important so you need right. like just one or two people three people that you can just have normal personal conversation with I think that it helps grounding you and it's nurturing you need people who be able to nurture you through this process because it's very lonely it's very long It's hard. (laughs) It's one of the most difficult things I've ever done. Put your truth on the page.
3: I don't care if there's a voice telling you it's not academic enough or that's not professional. You can always change the words on the page, but we can't change something that's not there. Put your truth on the page, exactly how you feel it and exactly how you would say it, write it, and then you can go back and change it if you need to. But I would argue that you will find it Nine times out of 10, you don't need to change it. Mm -hmm. Put your trick on the page. Try to stay in the moment as
4: best you can. Try to stay in the moment. Be present as best you can. I know that grad school forces us to be forward thinking and to be future oriented, but stay in the present as best you can because this time is going to fly by. I know it doesn't seem that way, but it's going to fly by and a lot of this stuff won't even matter. In the grand scheme of things. So if you stay in the moment, grab those precious moments of joy, make those moments of joy, say yes to some things you've been saying no to, hang out with people when you can, because this is, this is a precious time and you're going to need these memories when you're kind of sitting in front of somebody else telling them what to do or telling, giving them <laughs> advice. So grab hold of them because they mean a lot and they can help you stay grounded.
0: As
2: we continue to navigate the challenges of academia, let's remember to hold on to the wisdom and guidance of the ones who graduated before us. We hope these insights inspire and motivate you on your academic journey. And don't forget to join the Cohort Sisters community at www.cohortsisters.com community. We also wanted to let our listeners know that we will be taking a two-week break to recharge and return with even more conversations. But don't worry, we'll be back on June 7th with even more amazing guests and insights. Thank you for tuning in to the Cohort Sisters podcast, and we'll catch you soon.
0: Thank you again for listening to this week's episode of the Cohort Sisters podcast. If you are a Black woman interested in joining the Cohort Sisters membership community, or you're looking for more information on how to support or partner with Cohort Sisters, please visit our website at www.cohortsistas.com. You can also find us on all social media platforms at Cohort Sistas. Don't forget to subscribe to the Cohort Sisters podcast and leave us a quick review wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for joining us this week, and we'll catch you in next week's episode.